2: KQD KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. 826 Valencia, founded at that address in the Mission District, turned 20 this year. You may know it from the pirate shop, that's the retail storefront, but 826 is really a youth writing program. There are now nine chapters nationwide, the biggest remains in San Francisco. Nearly 3,000 students have been published by 826 in books and podcasts. We'll hear some works by those authors and talk with the founders and current team about the importance of celebrating youth voices. Here's a bit from Future Life, a poem by Sanchez Elementary's David Hiron. In my future life, I will live in the White House. I'd like to skydive and go to McDonald's. I'll make a game called Do Nothing for 10 Minutes and I will be a black belt. There are no taxes. Please remember me. We will, David. Stay tuned for more. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. This morning, we're talking about 826 Valencia, the storied youth writing center in the Mission, which was founded 20 years ago in a different era, a different country, a different San Francisco. We're joined by the founders and current staff, but first, we have to start with a young author. So to kick us off, here's one the author recorded. I'm gonna let Anya tell you more.
3: I am more, by Anya, with 826 Valencia. I am more than what you might think I am. I am breaking barriers that maybe even I thought would be hard or nearly impossible. I am like a dancing river waiting patiently to whoosh down the waterfall like a racing horse on a race track. I am a picture book with hundreds of wonderful moments that I am able to share with my loved ones. I am the stars that everyone can see. Everyone sees me the same, yet so differently, but everyone sees me equally. I am the cold wind that brings you closer to the people around you. I am the breeze that makes you grin. I am more than just a phone-addicted 11-year-old. I have opinions. I have ideas. I can make a difference. I will be the difference, as all my peers.
2: That was the poem, I Am More, by Anya presented by 826 Valencia. And joining us, we'd like to welcome some of the key 826 figures. Joined by Dave Eggers, co-founder of 826 Valencia, also the author of many books, including The Circle and A Heartbreaking Work of Staggering Genius. Welcome, Dave. Uh, thanks. Good, good to be here. Also joined by Nenove Caligari, uh, co-founder of 826 Valencia. Welcome.
4: Good morning. Thanks for having us
2: and Bita Nazarian, executive director, current executive director of 826 Valencia. Welcome, Bita.
1: Hi, good morning.
2: We wanted to start with that poem just because it feels like this really is what 826 is about, right? Just seeing more in these young humans than the things that people may say about them. Uh, Bita, you're the current executive director. Tell us a little bit more about where 826 is today.
1: Yeah, I think Anya made a great case for (laughs) our work, which is basically... Our young people have things to say about the world around them. And when you think more broadly about um, whose writing gets published, who writes our laws or journalism, a lot of times it does not reflect the voices of everybody in our community, including young people, including people of color. So when we can elevate those student voices to the world, we believe we're really like Improving our democracy, um, creating a new narrative for the nation, mm.
2: and what's the sort of current work of A26? Like you've got, what are the like sort of main lines, the main kind of programs now?
1: Yeah, A26 Valencia um, is. Most thought of as the pirate supply store in the Mission, which is our first um, location, we've grown to build a center in the Tenderloin neighborhood in Mission Bay, and we serve about 12 schools. And what we do is we partner with teachers and nonprofits and um, families to figure out what are the best writing programs that we could provide for young people. We enlist volunteers to work side by side with the students um, on the writing, and then we publish the people in things like the podcast you just heard and beautiful books and help elevate student voices for the broader public. We serve about 5,000 students a year, enlist about 800 volunteers, um, and have a budget of about $6 million.
5: We've lost Alexis. This is... <laughs> <laughs> We've lost Alexis. I, I, I will... I'll add add on to what Bita was saying, but... Uh, the podcast that you just heard from Anya is a program in the Tenderloin uh, neighborhood that uh, they have professional quality podcast studios that students come in and do field trips every day, basically, from different schools around the city. And volunteers and even acting coaches help the students perfect their podcast, practice their voice, get it just right. and as a uh, volunteer in this program i've seen the students walk in with their sixth grade class kind of casual and goofing around getting settled and stuff and then getting to know the tutors next to them and the program and sort of practicing a little bit what they're going to write and and record and then they go in this studio and they come out completely changed like in a daze like they're they've heard themselves They've perfected their voice. They've gotten it just right. <clears throat> They've said exactly what they wanted to say. They've had it sort of recorded professionally. And then they come out totally changed. And I think that that's sort of what happens very often. We're sitting here in this studio yeah. with about 20 paperback books of student writing. And we elevate their voices and we make them, give them a professional platform. And uh, So
2: beautiful. Yeah. You know, how did this, Nineveh, how did this come to be A26 Valencia? I mean, it has this incredible panoply of programs, serves all these students, but, you know, it started small.
4: I love to say that Dave knew that there was a creative class that could be put to work, and I was in the classroom, and I knew teachers needed help. So we were a good, a good combination and um, we did start small and oftentimes when we grew nationally and then internationally, people would always ask me like, how did you find the teachers? How did you find the youth? Well, those teachers were our friends and uh, we called them. That's how we found <laughs> them. And we knew that um, one of the driving philosophies from the very beginning that Dave and I shared was a deep and fundamental respect for teachers as professionals. Mm. So we knew that if we asked teachers, what are those projects that you've been dying to do, but you don't have the people power or the money? Um, what was, you know, what was the project that got left on the table? And we asked them what they wanted to do. And we were able to make their dreams come true. And one thing that I want to say about teachers in particular is when we brought teams of volunteers, when we published books, we created events, we did a lot of joyful, joyful interaction in order to elevate their, um, their students writing. And in doing so, we had teachers say that they were able to stay in the profession longer um, because they also felt so supported. So
2: Mm.
4: we, um, it was very, it was, it was an honor always. Yeah. You know,
2: do you think, Dave, 826 could only have been founded in the San Francisco of 2002, not just a, a youth writing program, but the particular kind of free spirit and the particular kind of creative community that existed in the city at that time. Um,
5: <clears throat> no, I think that the need is always there. It's been there uh, from the beginning of uh, the this city, the beginning of any city, any uh, school system needs more humans, more volunteers, more caring adults, to sort of support the work that being done in the classroom, and so that's why it's sort of uh, it keeps getting replicated. There's a center in out 90 miles outside of Melbourne, apparently about a few months ago in Toowoomba, Australia, that just opened this fall, um, based on the a Valencia model, and. Um, you know, it's very easily uh, copied and sort of adapted to any neighborhood, any community, any city, anywhere, where it's basically a an environment where caring adults can work side by side with students that need that individualized attention, and um, and, and if you start there, then you can sort of adapt it, mold it to the
2: particular needs of any community. Mm-hmm. Uh, beat uh, Nazarian. You know, what do you see in the San Francisco public education scene that's maybe different in 2022 versus when uh, 826 started?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think, sadly, a lot of the challenges that we have in our public school system have been persistent um, for my many decades in um, public education. Um, We see a lot of stratification around services and needs of students in our city. Um, And I think we we know that that's true. That's historical. It's systemic. And most recently, we have seen those things absolutely exacerbated by the pandemic. So things we knew to be true forever around um, how resources are not equal across every campus, Um, the outcomes have been more severe. That's been more true as students, like, didn't have Wi-Fi at home to do online learning, or their families lear- uh, spoke a different language from the language of instruction, and so they couldn't be the teacher at home that so many kids need. So things were exacerbated. I think the other true thing is that there are a lot of incredible educators in our classrooms. We say, see that in San Francisco. A lot of people who really do want to do right by students. And and that they deserve the support to do their jobs well. Um, so a lot has stayed the same um, and a little bit tougher these days.
2: <laughs> for you all, how did you come through the pandemic? I mean, obviously couldn't do in-person things for a long time. Was it difficult to maintain the kind of level of creativity and engagement in online classes that's in person? Yeah,
1: I mean, that's a great question. We actually um, followed the lead of the school district. So within a week of schools going online, we went online, uh, and we're a very in-person experience, just like our schools are. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did that for the year. Um, and the moment that it was announced that schools would reopen in person, we were right there with them. And I agree that engagement is just different. We are lucky, um, in that we have great relationships with our students, um, you know, one one staff member would lead the online program. Another staff member would call all the parents of the kids who weren't yet online. Um, every session started with some kind of community builder because we were so disconnected as a society. It was really important to do that. And we still had volunteers. So we could go into Zoom breakout rooms and students were still getting the individualized attention that they needed um, then more than ever, which I would argue continues used to be true now. So it was very challenging and I think um, I'm very proud of our A26 community for stepping up into that moment and doing what was needed to support our kids.
2: We're talking about the 20th anniversary of 826 Valencia with Bita Nazarian, the executive director of 826 Valencia, Nineveh Caligari, co-founder of 826 Valencia, and Dave Eggers, the other co-founder of 826 Valencia, also the author of a heartbreaking work of Staggering Genius, among many other books. We would love to hear from you. Have you had an experience with 826 Valencia as a parent, as a student, as a volunteer? Call us, share a memory. The number is 866-733-6786 perhaps a piece of writing by a child has stayed with you that particular way of seeing the world can call us and share that too. the numbers 866-733-6786 twitter facebook instagram it's kqed forum and the email is forum at kqed.org i'm alexis madrigal stay tuned for more right after the break Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about 20 years of 826 Valencia with Dave Eggers, one of the co-founders of 826. Ninave Caligari, another co-founder of 826 Valencia, Bita Nazarian, executive director of 826 Valencia, and we want to add another voice. Bianca Catalan is an alumnus and now a board member of 826 Valencia. Welcome, Bianca.
7: Hi, thank you for having me. Well, tell us how were you
2: first introduced to 826?
7: 826 had a workshop in my 7th grade class at Everett Middle School. They had all the 8th graders take photographs of different things that were important to them, and then they had us respond to them, which was very cool because you're seeing the 8th graders as, like, these really big kids that know so much, and you're (laughs) collaborating with them. And so I think your own expectations of your work were pretty high because you wanted to match the work that they gave you with their photographs.
2: And then what did you do after that? You, I assume you kept up with the organization.
7: Yeah. So after that, I started um, working in their summer programs as a student. And then I was asked to become an intern there during my last year of high school. Um, and after that, I became a staff member and helped to run the field trip programs. Mm. And then I joined the alumni board um, I was also part of the Best American Nonrequired Reading when they had mm. that program and now I'm on the board of directors. Wow.
2: Do you remember the first work that you wrote with them?
7: <laughs> yes, the first piece I wrote was called Ode to my Pencil. <laughs> 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 and it was based off of this photograph that one of the 8th graders took of a pencil on the windowsill and you could see the school in the background of it and in that piece, I was talking about all the things it looked like to me. It, it could have been a rocket. It could have been an airplane. And then I start imagining all the things I could do if I were those objects. And then at the end of the poem, I kind of take a turn and say, but I'm not any of these things. I'm small, and you might even forget me in the bottom of your backpack. Oh. And all I can do is write about the things I wish I could be. Oh. <laughs> and oh. and I know, (laughs) right? I'll start crying. And, you know, when I look back at that piece, it really like makes me think like, wow, there were so many dreams that I had that I didn't even think I could really do. And being part of this program, they've been so supportive of everything I've tried to pursue and helped me to get there. And I man, I just wish I could have told myself that when I was younger, like all the things I could do. So being part of the alumni board is super important to me because now I'm one of those figures that the students can see, like, these are all the things that you can do. These are all the different directions the alumni have taken. What's the path that you want to take? Because seeing someone that you can relate to their experience get there, it makes you feel like I can do that too.
2: Mm -hmm. You know, you mentioned that you participated in this program, the Best American non required reading that situation. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
7: Yeah, so that was a program that I did with Dave, which was really special to get to know him more deeply with the group of high schoolers. I was a senior in high school, and we would read through a bunch of catalogs and we would choose writings that we thought had potential to be in our anthology, and we would argue over different pieces (laughs) over why we think something could fit or why something wouldn't. Um, And I just remember there was one day I was talking about a piece that a lot of people in the room didn't really relate to, but it really spoke to me. And the way I talked about it and described it, Dave just gave me this look like, wow, like, that was amazing. How how are you even thinking of something like that? (laughs) And that was really validating for me to feel like, you know, not everyone in this room can see what I see, but Dave saw what i saw and that just yeah that gave me a feeling of my opinion really matters even if it's not the same as everyone else Mm -hmm.
2: dave do you remember those moments working on that project
5: i do we ran that class for 11 years and bianca was one of the first students in it and um and, you know, most of the students in that class uh, i still in touch with, and I see them now. They're in their 30s, and it's uh, incredible. But <clears throat> it was this, you know, it was kids from all over the city, one or two students from any given school, and we'd meet at 826 Valencia and later in the basement of the McSweeney's offices, and we would discuss, like, contemporary literature, like, published that week or that month in literary magazines from all over And it was an amazing clash of ideas. And I came out of it every week, like, electrified. Like, I learned so much from them. I couldn't sleep afterward because I was so excited by all the ideas that I'd heard and the opinions and had my own sort of uh, expectations upended, and I'd been enlightened. And so that's the joy of teaching, I think, and being around young people's discovery. is like, you learn so much, too. So, um, and I think that, you know, it's... I was just there as a facilitator really, and just to kind of listen and so that book is still being published so if you look out for
2: it it's out there and it's still being edited by San Francisco high school students you know it's amazing uh, about Bianca's story you know we had Javier Zamora on the show recently uh, you know author of solito it's now you know New York Times bestseller and all this stuff and he had such a similar story about you. <laughs> It's well, t- I saw Javier.
5: We did an event together up at the Point Reyes bookstore, which is run by an 826 Valencia former staffer, Molly Parent. Yeah. And um, um, yeah, Javier, I, we met at Everett Middle School when we were creating the uh, the writer's room. And Javier was an intern. Uh, he was in high school, but he chose to do a semester, sort of a learning semester with us working at 826 Valencia. And I remember him vividly because he just had an inner glow. He's one of those really brilliant young guys that just sort of stands out right away, and he was taking himself very seriously as a writer even then. And then we would keep in touch over the years. And, um, you know, he's been um, really nice to sort of mention 826 Valencia uh, here and there because uh, there are those, you know, we're working with students that are, trying to stay at grade level and, and trying to get their homework done and be prepared for the next day. And so students that just need that extra few hours of help every so often, but we're also uh, working with the most gifted and the most dedicated uh, sort of people that want to become writers. And so it that mix is really important. Kids are coming at uh, the written word from so many different angles, but because they're all in one room together, very often it's like it creates a really beautiful mix, a mosaic of different voices, different uh, perspectives, and also sort of different sort of uh, expectations for, their, for themselves. And so, and Javier was just one of those students that was you know, extraordinarily gifted, and it's no surprise at all that he's become the celebrated poet and uh, memoirist.
2: Yeah. Let's uh, let's hear another youth voice. This one is called A Peaceful Life.
8: A Peaceful Life by Adriana Rodriguez with 826 Valencia. I believe that us humans have a happy spot, just like dogs and cats. My roof is my happy spot. It makes me calm and think about life while feeling the breeze of the wind and birds chirping. I believe that friends bring happiness and teach you a lot of things. School only teaches you things for your future job, but friends tell you their experiences about their life and help you through rough times, while still having a smile on their face that will make you smile. That is what makes a friendship real. I believe in equality. There is people with up to seven cars, but they don't notice the people suffering and hungry with no ruse, because they are invisible. I believe that the world will one day destroy us, because we are destroying it ourselves, by polluting it and killing the turtles. I believe a peaceful world where everyone gets along, and there is no fights. And live the most out of your life until you die and never come back alive.
2: That was the poem A Peaceful Life by Adriana Rodriguez, uh, published with 826 Valencia on their podcast. Nineveh, I, I wanted to come to you on this poem. I mean, this incredible specificity, you know, up to seven cars killing the turtles, you know, as well as these super big and and kind of abstract realizations about what's happening in, in the world. Just talk about what it's like to day in, day out read this kind of work and how it might change the way you end up seeing the world around you.
4: Well, two things that first of all, I thought that work was incredibly beautiful. And I am so grateful that young people have a very, very, very intense and sophisticated understanding of how fragile the planet is and how much respect we need to have. And it just keeps on it just keeps on coming up. Um, I think that the wisdom is amazing. The other thing that I was thinking about in terms of her writing is just 826 giving young people the opportunity to be the experts. Um, And I think that that is, is, uh, I don't even have words uh, of how valuable that is, that You know, when we start projects with young people, there is often a reluctance. And when we end projects, that transformation that Dave talked about with the podcast, that also happens with the books, with a piece of writing, with an interaction with an adult, there's this transformation. The reluctance is diminished and the voice is um, empowered. And I think that we know how essential that is. And I used to always say... Al, you know, wasn't thinking that every single young person was going to grow up and be a novelist, but I certainly wanted them to feel the power to make their own decisions with their own careers. And we know that communicating effectively is essential. So I was touched by both of the pieces that you selected. And of course, there are only two of thousands of voices. But I think young people as experts uh, of their own stories and Giving them platforms is just is so exciting. I actually cried uh, with the first poem that you chose, where the young woman said, "I am the stars." Um, having young people feel um, heard and uh, the dignity that she had in saying that is uh, really touching to me.
2: Also, shout out to our producer Caroline, who I think Yay. delighted in going through, <laughs> you. you know, hundreds, great and hundreds choices, of things. great amazing. choices. Great totally choices, beautiful. beautiful. Um, have you all, our listeners, had an experience with 826 Valencia? We're going to go to the phones in just a second, talk to some volunteers, but call us. Share, remember, you, maybe your kids went there, you went there, you volunteered there. Also, what was the moment when you first saw yourself as a writer in the way that a lot of these young adults are, young kids are? You can give us a call. The number is 866 733 6786. That's 866 733 6786. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're KQED Forum, and the email is forum at kqed.org. Uh, Judd writes in to say, I remember 826 Valencia having a warm feeling, very inviting room at James Lick Middle School, where I was a subteacher there. Most of the students enjoyed being there, considering that they were middle schoolers. <laughs> Congrats <laughs> to 826 on 20 great years. So uh, fun. So fun. Nice. Thanks, Judd. Uh, let's bring in uh, Nancy in San Francisco. Welcome, Nancy. Hi, how are you? Hey, doing well. Welcome.
9: Good. Well, I just wanted to say that I was a volunteer for 826. I started in about 2008. And one of the first things I did was work on a book project, the theme of which was the golden rule. And the students were supposed to have worked on their their essays um, before I came. And so then I was assigned this young woman, Vanessa, and so I said, well, Vanessa, let me see what you have. And it was three sentences. I love my country. It is beautiful. I cannot go there. Uh, and she said, that's, that's my essay. She said, I said, okay, Vanessa, well, let's see if we, can, if we can flesh some of that out. I said, what do you love about your country? And she told me about these wonderful people that would greet her, and everybody knew each other in the village where she lived, and she felt very very safe with those people. And I said, well, let's write it down. Let's write it down. And then what is beautiful about your country? And she told me about how swimming in this river and they would pick mangoes off the trees and throw them at each other. Let's write it down. Let's write it down. And why can't you go there? Well, because it's not safe. My father can't work. I can't have an education. There's no health care for us and all these different things. So we ended up over a course of about... uh, Six to eight weeks, working twice a week with this young woman, and she got this absolutely phenomenal essay about this beautiful country of Nicaragua. And as we were going through it, I said, "Well, Vanessa, this is supposed to be about the Golden Rule. What? 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 How do we tie it into the Golden Rule?" And she said, "Well, if everybody." did unto themselves what unto others what they would want to do for themselves i could go back to my country because the people in power would be able to understand that we need education and my father needs a job it was it was a phenomenal time for me i mean i just loved it and i loved working with other students too but this this was my first story and i will hold it here forever uh, and uh, so We're
4: crying in the studio. <laughs> you yeah. Thank, you,
9: Thank you, Thank you. you. Nice you know? to see you yeah. again. Thank you, guys. <laughs> hear you. And by the way, I want to say that they really treat their volunteers so well. So Yay. if you're thinking <laughs> of volunteering, call 826. They're fabulous. Yes.
5: Can I underline that real quick? One, we do <laughs> need volunteers always because a lot of the volunteers are college students and they move on and stuff. So we always need new people, even if you think we're full. And secondly... What Nancy and Vanessa went through was this bonding that happens between community members that otherwise wouldn't get to meet. So now they have this forever bond over six to eight weeks over a piece of art that Vanessa's writing, but that interaction and that close Mm -hmm. one-on-one sort of collaboration and sort of she's cheering Vanessa on for eight weeks straight that's very rare in this world to have somebody just choosing to be there next to a young person um, getting their truth on paper. So we really do need you volunteers. Like, sign up and you can have uh, uh, an experience like Vanessa and and Nancy did. God.
2: I mean, I love my country. It is beautiful. I cannot go there. I mean, oof. Uh, uh, You know, Bianca, I wanted to come to you for the other side of that Experience, you know, I mean, you came through the program. Were there any community members that you especially connected with and you thought, like, oh man, I didn't expect to get to know this person?
7: Erin, um, her name was Erin, I can't remember her last name, but she was the person that worked with me in seventh grade. And then every time I would come to the center, she would just had this extreme joy to see me there every single time, as if I hadn't seen her in a really long time. (laughs) And it would make me feel so happy to be in that space that people were excited to hear me in in the room. And then as an adult, I, when I was working um, for the field trip program, Erin was coming back to volunteer. She didn't work there anymore. And then she told me, look, now you're my boss. And it was, it was just so amazing to to hear that, to for her to be so happy to see all my growth throughout all of these years and to celebrate my success, that was really special oh, to me. beautiful.
2: We're talking about the 20th anniversary of 826 Valencia with Bianca Catalano, an alumnus and board member at 826 Valencia, Bida Nazarian, executive director at 826, Nineveh Caligari, co-founder of 826, and Dave Eggers, the other co-founder of 826. We're going to go into this break with a poem called A Bolt of Lightning. And this poem is by Franklin.
10: A Bolt of Lightning by Franklin with 826 Valencia. I am a strike of lightning, an unpredictable bolt of energy. Enjoy the moment. I am a rushing river, adapting to change. I can go with the flow, getting stronger with many storms. I am a couch, welcoming as a cozy presence, appreciative to all, different shapes and sizes, like a storm on the horizon. I am curiosity, like the color yellow, energetic and never gives up. I am a parrot, talkative yet curious, colorful in many different ways, ready to learn new things. I am a parrot for exploration, the color yellow for curiosity, the flow of a river, easygoing, a nice, welcoming couch, an unpredictable bolt of lightning. I am me.
2: That was the poem A Bolt of Lightning by Franklin, published with 826 Valencia. I love that. The color of yellow. For curiosity, we're talking about the 20th anniversary of 826 Valencia. Stay with us for more stories after the break. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We are talking about 20 years of 826 Valencia Youth Writing Center and more um, headquartered there in the Mission District. We'd love to know, have you had an experience with 826 Valencia? Maybe your kid went through, maybe you went through, maybe you volunteered. Call us, share a memory. We've been loving those. The call. The number to call is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. 86, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Of course, it's KQED Forum, and the email is forum at kqed.org. We're going to go back to the phones in a second. But first, I want to hear another poem by Fernando. Um, it's pretty intense, just so you know.
3: Homeless and a police officer brutally. My name is Fernando. I saw a homeless man die in front of me, and a police officer did it. When I saw it, I was terrified and speechless, and then I felt bad. I wanted things to get better, to stay away from police officers, because they could do something bad when I was age 8. Then, when I saw that happen, I was sad, and then my parents pulled me off. So then that's when I went home, and then that's when I got bad dreams.
2: Mm. That was Fernando reading their work Homeless and Police Officer Brutality. You know, Bita, I want to come to you on this. I mean, kids are living in the same world that we are, and they're experiencing it through their eyes, trying to process these things, which are hard for adults to process. When a poem like that comes in from a kid, how how do you support? What do you do?
1: Yeah, I think, um, well, one thing that's beautiful about writing is that I think it helps students process their experiences. Um, All of us, right? Just that taking ideas, thinking through what happened, the impact on you is a really healthy way to process trauma. Um, But what we do is we create the environments that Bianca Described where there's just so much love and joy around each child that they are so happy to be there, and then we uh, provide any support that's needed in the moment. To um, if they need a a break, they get a break, they get to decide how we interact with them. Um, Students in our programs have a lot of agency um, and choice, and so they get to decide like whether to even write about that topic or not um and i think it's this agency right that writing provides that uh, supports the young person to develop um in a healthy way and those are some of the things we do it's just give a lot of love you know if needed we communicate with their families if if um we're really concerned about what's happening, but also just that one on one attention that sees them and honors them and respects that wow, that was really hard, and you are so brave and mm-hmm. so strong.
7: That's what we do,
2: yeah, Bianca, do you want to add anything to that?
7: Yeah, I feel like a two six they just they make a way for students that are going through really hard realities and you know it's it doesn't always feel safe to talk about certain things at home or with your friends or teachers like they not everybody understands and i always feel like at 826 even if the volunteer that's not their reality they still make room for them to to note down their reality and and every time I've been to a showcase or a performance of the students, it's just seen student after student telling their truths, and that really connects to so many people. And not just the people in the room, I've been able to take their writing to schools that I've worked at, and the students there are just so amazed to see other kids their age writing this down, and it, it really draws them into mm-hmm. wanting to be in school and wanting to learn to read and write and... Yeah, it's just, it's transformational in so many ways.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: We've got a uh, really interesting and, and complex question here, and maybe we'll, we'll start with Dave, but I, I have the sense that all of you may want to have your own answer to this one. Uh, Roberto writes, It's beautiful to hear the voices of young people in poetry and to provide a platform for it. As a native of the Mission District where 826 began, I'm keenly aware of newcomers coming to serve the children of a community I identify with. Given there are low-income kids of color being helped by what I assume are more privileged volunteers, how does 826 address that class and you know racial or ethnic divide between those who serve and those who are served in order to not replicate a savior complex or a patronizing dynamic?
1: Yeah, um, I'm going to take that one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sure. This is Bita. Uh, first of all, it's a great question and one we absolutely um, think about and care about, um, and really, we, at the moment volunteers are oriented, we actually address this issue head on. Um, and we have a series of cultural competency trainings that we also provide. Um, every time volunteers come and work with students, um, they the session is monitored by staff. Staff can support volunteers. They de- debrief the sessions with volunteers. They listen to our students. so if something is happening that feels uncomfortable, we're responsive to those things. Um, so those are kind of like the interventions to mm-hmm. avoid like further um, further damage. At the same time, I also really believe that um, our students need exposure to all the things that wealthy kids get exposure to. You know, like wealthy kids get to sit by with somebody who's like a, f- a hedge fund <laughs> a person. Wealthy kids get to like talk to lawyers. And I think there's something really when when it's done well. And when it's done with all the respect that our students honor, I do think there are some advantages when students can meet people that they would otherwise not meet. And it's an advantage not only for the child, but for the adult. So the adult's views on the world are broadened so that their privileges can be held in check, right? So I I just think that these are, um, what I would love to see in the world is more like, seeking to understand one another and building connectivity um, and, and seeing those differences as advantages that we can build off. And, and really, ultimately, for me, it's all about better serving our students. So,
4: mm-hmm. Al, can I add, this is Nineveh. Yeah, sure. Is that all right? Yeah. I'm so excited about the question, and I'm also really excited. Harvard just recently released a study about the children who grow up in communities with more cross-class interaction are much more likely to rise out of poverty. And so I think Dave and I intuitively knew this, that, you know, teachers wanted help. Everybody deserves undivided attention. We could create a safe way for those conversations to happen, like we just heard about Vanessa and Nancy's interaction and Bianca and Aaron's interaction, that those relationships were beautiful. We knew it intuitively, but I'm so excited because the study just documented literally that those conversations and that access and that the cross-class fluency is actually part of the toolkit that empowers young people to access better jobs, more money, more stability, um, and more control over their future. So, I I appreciate the question, um, but I think it would be cool to also think about um, how that interactivity is
1: mm-hmm. empowering. And I want to add one more thing that I meant to say, which Go ahead, is Peter. that yeah. we, um, we also do a lot to recruit volunteers Total. who reflect the backgrounds of our students. And we also have um, paid opportunities for youth who are youth leaders to support our younger students, for interns who are paid Um, So we are thinking about how volunteerism, like to be able to work for free is a privilege, right? Um, So trying to think of places where there are paid opportunities to bring in folks from very diverse backgrounds who might not be able to work with our young people for free. So we're also doing that work. Um, And it's like, you know, it's a very important and complex question that I think we just need to kind of view from all these facets.
2: Oh yeah. And I mean, you know, as part of youth takeover here at KQED or I'm on the board of Chapter 510 over in Oakland, which is another youth writing center. You know, these things are are hard questions, you know. And they and it's to me, you know, be to your answer about trying to set up the systems in place so that both volunteers and the youth are supported in these, you know, complex cross-ethnic, cross-race, cross-class interactions is, is really important. It's not just about trying to be nice. It's about trying to give people the tools to actually do that effectively. Um, let's bring in a call before we uh, do a quick pledge thing. Hey, Arnie in Oakland. Welcome.
11: Hi. Thanks. Um, I am uh, – uh, I think I was amongst the first volunteers, uh, not to do myself list. too much, but <laughs> – 20 years ago. And um, – one of the things that I really struck me in this kind of, I think in some ways, folded to what you guys were just talking about is one of the things that I felt really was unique and beautiful at the beginning was the, the way that it attracted a lot of volunteers who maybe followed pretty solitary pursuits and, and interesting, weird forms of art and want, uh, brought an excitement in them to share that with young people, which I feel like, you know, from being a person who had been involved in education and was a writer myself, that it was a pretty unique feeling to feel like somebody was asking of me a thing that I felt like was maybe not kids wouldn't be interested in, or I would be glad to share it with them. But I didn't know that, you know, this was a kind of thing like, well, they only like Marvel movies or whatever. And so I would just – that was something that I – you know, in the early days it was really exciting for me, and I think for other people, and I'm sure that energy is carried through It's just that feeling of like getting to share something with young people, making a connection across communities about something that maybe you don't realize is something that they would be interested in and I think d Six Valencia did a great job. They had these things like. Um, where we would create a story together like, um, you know, there would be somebody drawing it uh, alive while the kids Mm. were calling Mm. out what the story was and then somebody else would be directing it. And the guy who was drawing it might be like the editor of raw or, you know, like it was the kids who were being experiencing or expressing something and they were seeing drawn on the screen in front of them, something that was interesting and weird and cool and, you know, very well done in a way that maybe they hadn't experienced before. And the, and the, A lot of the adults were really listening to the kids and really trying to, you know, put on screen or put in the story whatever crazy, weird idea they had. And it just was a really special. I just felt like it was a really special connection.
2: Yeah, that's beautiful, Arnie. Thank you so much for that call. Um, You know, we've got a couple other comments coming in. Tara writes, I am a teacher of young children and not a great teacher of writing. I've been grateful to refer children and families to 826 when there is an obvious gift or interest. Thank you so much. This is a fundraising period for KQED Public Radio. For more information about how to support KQED, go to kqed.org. I'm Alexis Madrigal. You know, uh, Bianca, I wanted to ask you about your future goals for 826 and just how you see this, you know, kind of wonderful institution of our city evolving.
7: Yeah, so joining the board was a really important step for me because of My experience growing up in the neighborhoods that we're serving and really talking to them about, you know, all the different members that are part of that community, all the other nonprofits that exist already. And some of them are able to reach some of the youth we can't quite reach at this moment. So that's, you know, our goal is to reach all the kids in San Francisco, which, you know, it could seem sort of impossible, but. We have a lot of resources to make that happen, and I think we have a lot of partnerships that we've already started and utilizing those people to really to reach the youth that you know aren't necessarily even in school. Because a lot of our programs during the school day we reach a certain group of students, but they're you know students that are suspended or expelled or in the juvenile justice system or you know just caught up in things on the streets those aren't the kids that are just walking into our programs as easily. So how do we reach those students that are most in need? And, you know, 826 might feel like too big of a step for them to join, but are there other community partners that connect with them more easily that we can contact and work with so that way we can reach them? So that's a really big goal for me to be able to to reach those kids because they are the ones that struggle the most and have been, in those situations from a very young age, and I see so much potential for them. And you know, I think 826 has the ability to do that. Yeah,
2: wanted to get a few more youth voices onto the program this morning, and we asked each of you to pick something to read. Um, we might not get to all of them, but let's start with Nineveh. Do you want to read something?
4: Sure. Yes, we're going to transition very abruptly from very serious Bianca comment to something that is just pure joy. So John Philip Hellman writes in uh, Seeing Through the Fog. This is a Gateway High School publication that's one of my favorites. He says in San Francisco, people have the opportunity to experience some of the best and most diverse Asian cuisines in California, all in one great city. This is a list of all the best Asian restaurants from a true San Francisco native. Choose any one, and you'll be pleased with the result. He goes on so much detail, all the sauces, the neighborhoods, everything. I mean, this is an essay that cannot be missed. We got to book
2: him. Yeah. You got to <laughs> book him.
4: He ends with now. You know what the locals eat. We don't eat fancy and we don't eat expensive, but we do eat well. You won't find us on the top of Macy's eating cheesecake or at Fisherman's <laughs> Wharf eating overpriced junk food as many of the typical tourists do. We know what tastes good here. We know how to eat here, all while, all while saving our pocket money for tomorrow's meal. Oh my God!
2: At the top of Macy's eating cheesecake uh, <laughs> the horror the horror
4: this whole uh, book is a reflection of youth as expert of our city and i and I just and I love it
2: yeah, that's so good um you know, Bianca, maybe you can just talk about uh something on the podcast that really affected you
7: um You mean something that I've listened to from one of the students? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so one of the podcasts that 826 has is called Truth of the Fence Castle by Tiari, and that story was incredible to me because it's this this young person, she was either six or eight, telling her story of understanding her father being in jail and, you know— what it was like for her mom to try and explain what was going on to such a young person and her going to visit her father and the trauma of seeing and not understanding and trying to, you know, she was told about this castle that her dad was in and he was in prison there and they weren't letting him out. And, you know, it was hard for her to process all of that. And it was unveiling this truth of what was going on. And, you know, her story it is a story of many youth that I knew growing up with. like, And I shared this with a friend of mine whose partner was incarcerated, and he had a very young daughter, and she was trying to figure out how to explain to her what was going on. And it just brought her to tears when she heard it because it was their reality right in that moment. And, you know, all the other young people that I see go through that, this story is so important for them as a parent trying to figure out how do you Bring your child through this difficult time that their family's going through and at the same time it's also letting people know when an adult goes to jail it's affecting so many people besides just that one person and I think that that story can really transform a lot of people's perceptions mm-hmm. about how the incarceration system works.
2: We're going to tweet a link to that podcast episode that you were just talking about. Bianca Cutalan, an alumnus and board member of 826 Valencia. Thank you so much for joining us. We've also been joined by Dave Eggers, co-founder of 826 Valencia. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. Nineveh uh, Caligari, co-founder of 826 Valencia. Thank you.
4: Thanks for having us.
2: And Bita Nazarian, the executive director of 826 Valencia Now. Thanks, Thanks Bita. Thanks
1: so much. Thank you.
2: Uh, And thank you to everyone who called in with your experiences and your comments. We so appreciate you. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with Mina Kim.
9: Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Heising Simons Foundation, and the Bernard Osher Foundation, supporting higher education and the arts.